the bed was narrow and sagged a bit in the middle, its frame weakened further by the violence visited upon it by the sheriff's soldiers but two days before. It crossed her mind, most incongruously, that the bed might actually collapse. But Robin, hearing that murmured into his ear in the midst of something other than discussion, merely laughed and suggested they could break it well enough, even with no soldiers involved. She had chided him in mock asperity for his vulgarity, then forgot the bed altogether. Now she lay close, body set against the lean, warm length of him as he lay on his side. Her left arm was trapped beneath his neck, but she didn't care. The other she employed to sweep the hand from his shoulder to hip, though she did not touch him, merely outlined in the air the jut of shoulder, the hollow of the waist, the slight curve of a male hip. She had found it somewhat annoying to divest herself of hosen in place of skirts, since she had applied any number of strangenesses to hold the hosen up and the tunic down. He had found it most entertaining to merely remove her belt, unknot the thongs, and let the hosen drop. She was far more accustomed to doing that to him than to herself, but in the end clothing had been evenly dispersed. His lay somewhere, hers were elsewhere. All unexpectedly her thoughts found and centred upon a certain thing, stopped there to linger, to taste, like a butterfly, the nectar of her mind. But this was bittersweet, unpalatable, no blossoms would come of it. He stirred, seemingly aware of her not-touch, or perhaps attuned to the tension that had crept back into her heart. What is it? His voice was not as sleepy as expected. Marion dropped her hand to his hip, took security in the touch. I was wishing... wishing a thing with all that is in me to wish. His head shifted slightly, moving upon her trapped arm. He waited. Wishing, she confessed, that I could give you children. He was very still, and then he turned, altering his posture to face her. They were close, too close for clarity of feature, even if there was light beyond the moon sliding through cracks in the wall. But she could feel him, smell him, sense his heart. He gathered her close, held her, set lips into her hair. Marry me. She stiffened, even in his arms, and again in a whisper, Marry me. She thought of all the arguments she could use, the disparagements of his choice, of his reasons. But he had stood firm before his father, paid that price, and she could no more dishonour him for that than she could conjure a child. Overwhelmed, she was mute. She could find no words. It alarmed him. She felt him tense, felt him tighten his embrace. Marion? I will, she blurted, realizing he might misconstrue her silence. She had refused him more than once when he had asked before. Oh, I will, as many times as you like. His breath, as he expelled it on a rush, warmed her ear. Praise God. And in English, not Arabic. She laughed, but much first, she said, 
and this question of the taxes must be settled. Of course. Perhaps, she said, Mayday? Below, in the hall, he agreed, with feasting in the courtyard. We shall have to find Alan another loot. What would a wedding be without music? So long as he promises not to sing those horrible verses he made up about us both. Robin laughed. I shall make him promise it. Marion, of a sudden completely overcome with an exaltation and exhilaration she could not possibly describe, wrapped herself around him, heart, soul, spirit, and limbs, and clung. For the first time in days, the unmade world and its perilous future seemed not so daunting. And these tears were all for joy.